Let's do it. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 14 of the Xbox Expansion Pass recorded on January 12th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and on this episode we'll be discussing just what the word exclusive means to the Xbox Series X, see if these continues to have strong sales, and we'll get yet another tease to a Batman game. Remember that XEP is your place to discuss all things in the Gamerverse as it pertains to the Xbox ecosystem. Enjoy, guys. Yet another week of gaming goodness is behind us and upon us. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of XCP. It is great to have you here along for the ride. I appreciate so many of you reaching out to me and offering me well wishes as my voice was at about 80% last week. It's about 95 this week, but I'm going to do my best to turn it to 120 for you on this episode. Thank you so much to you for joining me today. I will say that I am recording this just before... I get to join some amazing people in the podcast and gaming world, the Iron Lords podcast. They are being gracious enough to have me on this Sunday, and by the time this episode of XCP is live, we have we will have recorded with them. If you're not familiar with the Iron Lords podcast, guys, they are just wonderful, positive voices in the Xbox and gaming ecosystems. Great content creators that are just so enthusiastic about what it is they love, and I'm very excited to record with them. By now, if you're hearing this, it's already live. Do indeed go check it out. Put it on your Spotify playlist, your iTunes roster. Put those guys there because they are just good people to have around you in your gaming verse. But I'm stoked to talk, talk with them. I'm sure the episode went amazingly. For now, though, we've got plenty of things to talk about as Xbox Game Studios head Mac Booty ruffled a few feathers and caused some clickbaity headlines by mistake because if you weren't aware, my goodness, prep in. It appears that the Xbox Series X will not indeed have its own exclusive titles to the console in the one to two years after its launch. Now, there are plenty of ways to react to that kind of news. The idea that if you buy the Xbox Series X, you'll not be able to play a game that's special and exclusive to it, and that you'll be able to access it from an Xbox One. In in many ways, that might cause you to question why you should check out an Xbox Series X at all why you even need to invest into the platform, and as a good consumer, you should indeed do those things. But let's first examine this argument, and we'll start by looking at just what Xbox Games head studio Matt Booty said before we dive in and add my thoughts to it. He says, quote, As our content comes out over the next year, two years, all of our games, sort of like PC, will play up and down that family of devices. We want to make sure that if someone invests in Xbox between now and Series X that they feel they're making a good investment and that we're committed to them with content. Our approach is to pick one or two IP that we're going to focus on and make sure that they're there at the launch of the console, taking advantage of all its features. And for us, that's going to be Halo Infinite, which is a big opportunity. It's the first time in over 15 years that we'll have a Halo title launching in sync with the new console, and that team is definitely going to be doing things to take advantage of the Series X. End quote. Now, there's a lot of ways to interpret and break down what it is Matt Booty is saying, but I really want to pull back and course correct anyone that's starting to panic and think, oh, I don't need to check out the Xbox world because I don't need to buy a Series X. 
Before you take that tone with that particular argument, that is an absolutely true statement. This should help you examine whether or not you need to pick up an Xbox Series X at launch. But that is not necessarily a bad thing. To start with his first and early statements, the idea that if you have somebody investing in the Xbox ecosystem now, they feel they're making a good investment. That is indeed important. As we enter into one of the more transitional generations of any generation jump, now that we've had in the past, we should be examining if it's worthwhile to pick up an Xbox One S, Xbox One X, or an all digital edition, if it's worthwhile, or if you should just wait. And I love the idea that if indeed I've got 150 bucks or 200 bucks sitting around and I wanna get an Xbox uh, Game Pass console or platform for my kids to check out, or if maybe I was a PlayStation gamer or a Switch gamer, and I do want to check out the world of Halo, do want to check out Sea of Thieves, see what the hubbub-loo is about Gears 5, Forza, and the like. If I'm diving into this world that wasn't my primary console, am I going to be left in the dust? And the answer is no. Now, this is not particularly news. We knew from the time that, that Phil Spencer said the words forward compatibility that this would be the case because they stressed backward and forward compatibility. The idea that if you have an Xbox One game, if you have an Xbox 360 game that plays on Xbox One, it is going to travel with you to your Xbox in the 2020s, in the 2021 verse, going forward. This is all good news. But the idea that my friend can pick up an Xbox One S, try those Game Pass games, and then he'll still be able to play Halo Infinite with me, still be able to race in the next Forza with me, that is good news, and I, as a gamer, am very excited by that. I am a purchaser of an Xbox One X. I want the latest and greatest graphics with my titles. I want to play Forza in that gorgeous 4K. I want to see those ocean physics just look pristine with that sunlight reflecting off of it in Sea of Thieves. I want to play Control where ray tracing looks the best. And right now, the Xbox One X does that. But if you don't want to fork down that change, or you don't have the money to spend on that, or you, it's maybe just not a major priority in your life, you can snag an X, or pardon me, an S. You can snag an all-digital edition and still experience those games, their amazing stories. You can experience the gameplay of them. That's a good, that's a good thing. That's just going to continue with the Series X. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to play the latest and greatest in late 2020, you're going to be buying an Xbox Series X. You've planned to play Halo Infinite with those incredible graphics, with the power of the Series X. But if maybe that's not for you, you don't need to dive into that world just yet. You can be comfortable in the fact that you'll still be able to enjoy your Xbox One in whatever capacity you have it and play those games. I absolutely love that. This is good news for me. No longer do we want somebody pay-gated or $500 uh, gate stopping them from playing the latest world. I want to play Halo with all different types of people from all over the world, and I'm much more likely to do that with an install base of 50, 60 million Xbox Ones plus whatever the Series X adds to it than I am to just say, all right, one to two million early on, that's all I'm going to be having with Halo Infinite. That's not an ideal situation. It's no longer necessary because of the power that exists in multiple Xbox platforms. You look at the, the xCloud is the first thing I would point to you. I'm playing xCloud games, meaning I'm ju jumping into Gears 5. I'm playing with other people in Gears 5 on my phone, on my tablet. I don't have a localized you know, 
hardware source that's doing that, and I'm still able to enjoy it. There's a possibility, I don't know how likely, but I do speculate that it's it's going to happen, that we get xCloud on the Xbox One family. That means you can play the next-gen up graphics via streaming capability if you have connections to allow you to do so. This is a good thing. No longer do we want hardware to be the gate that locks people out or lets people in. Now it's just a matter of screens, subscription services, and what your preference is. I love that. I often go back to on XEP that cost, catalog, and choice are the way I want to enter into next gen, whatever that means. If that's Series X and I'm forking down $500, $550 and I'm choosing to do that, that's awesome. But my buddy doesn't have it, doesn't want to spend that, isn't interested in spending all that money, and he can still play and game with me for $250, playing on Xbox One for now. Or maybe he wants to buy uh, the Lockhart version, whatever that is, should it indeed exist as we expect it to. Great. That's good news. I love that. Now, I also appreciate what Matt Booty is suggesting later on in his quote where he says, we're going to have a few IP that do focus and take advantage of the features for the more powerful consoles. Also great. I love that. That does incentivize me to say, all right, as a premium gamer, someone who's purchasing the Elite controller and someone who's purchasing a nicer headset, someone who's putting the time and investment into more premium hardware, I'm going to get that experience that I'm paying for. But I just I love the idea that we've scaled options for people to enter the world of Xbox. It's no longer hardware gated. To me, I strike this as very good news. More people playing great games is a good thing. That's what I want in my ecosystem. That's it. Simple as that. And shoot, I don't mind if I'm playing Forza with somebody who's using a Switch or a Switch controller. Who cares? I'm having a good old time on my device. I think part of the plight that comes with the number of people in the, the vocalized gaming community, Twitter, Instagram, people who are, who are scouring the YouTube comment section, etc. If you're living and dying by the success of a Fortune 500 company or a billion dollar company, and you're worried about what their bottom line is, I think you're missing the point of enjoying the video game verse, and that is simply to play and enjoy games. I am not concerned with Microsoft's bottom line. They are, and they should be, but this is also a company that navigated a botched 360 launch, navigated a failed attempt into Japan, navigated a botched Xbox One launch, and they're doing just fine. And because of those botches, we are now enjoying enhanced gameplay uh, throughout all different aspects of our ecosystem. Games with Gold was announced. That exists because of some of the botched launches and the competition doing well. Game Pass exists for that. The Adaptive Controller, all the things we covered in the 2010s kind of roundup in last week's episode, those existed because of failures and successes, and it's up to the company to worry about their bottom line and the consumer to reward and ignore accordingly. And right now, I often, I very much feel that Microsoft is doing right by its customers and itself. It's not about hardware. Hardware was never, never the profit margin. At one point, it was the entry point to create profit, but no longer is that the case because of streaming technology, because of the scalability of games. Now, it's a matter of engagement because engagement brings dollars. We see that with Game Pass. It, it shocks me, shocks me to hear how successful Game Pass is because I, I just wouldn't have expected it. I was, I was shocked to see Grand Theft Auto V enter that world, to see Monster Hunter World go into there, to see games like that enter a space when those games were already selling well. Monster Hunter World was, I believe, Capcom's best-selling game. Why would you put your best-selling game in a subscription service where people are paying pennies on the dollar? 
because engagement brought even more sales. The idea that we've got Game Pass uh, subscribers now getting discounts on shark cards in Grand Theft Auto V, at first I'm like, well, they were making Buku money and charting every month on NPD as it was, but now even more people are doing that because when you see that 10% off, when you see that, you know, yeah, you know what, I can get a little more for my money here, you're going to spend more money. It's it's a, a brilliant marketing tactic that was beyond me at first. I was just surprised and shocked to see that that was the case, but I'm rewarded for it. I have no real interest in diving into Grand Theft Auto V. It's not really up my wheelhouse, but the idea that it's in the service that I like brings more people to that service, more people playing the games that I enjoy, and I can bring them into that world at a, at a, a reduced cost. Hey, you don't need to have the Xbox One X. Just have an S. That's cool. Suggesting that to people is a, a lower barrier to entry to trying out the world that I enjoy so much and that I benefit as more people enter. There's something to that, and I do appreciate it. I just want to want to stress that we've seen this before. I'm looking over my notes. Uh, we've seen cross-gen titles before. I mean, I'm using Halo Infinite as my example, but Twilight Princess did this with the, I believe it was GameCube and Wii. Breath of the Wild did this with Wii U and uh, Switch, and I played it on Switch. Some people played it on Wii U. Some people played Twilight Princess on the GameCube. Some played it on the Wii. DC Universe did this during the changeover. I play, I was on PS4. I played with my friend who was on a PS3. Destiny and Titanfall, Warframe, those were all cross-gen titles. And in some cases, those waters are muddied and how you might look at what it means cross-gen then to cross-gen now. But I stress, Game Pass is now the platform. Xbox is the platform, not a hardware gate like Xbox One or Xbox Series blank, what have you. It's, a, it's, it's just a different game. It's a different time with a different... Uh, ecosystem to worry about and i don't think we need to live and die by that we benefit from the success of playstation from the success of nintendo they teach each other things and these are lessons we're now learning and if you have faith in those uh leaders of those various studios places companies then you should be rewarded with it nothing wrong with that and so i strongly encourage anyone to not hit the panic button the lack of exclusive titles is a clickbaity headline and something that we shouldn't worry about in nearly the way that you might worry when people first made the, the argument that Xbox has no exclusives throughout this generation, because that's a worthy criticism when you're talking about AAA bangers. It just is, and we've acknowledged that before, but it's a different conversation, and that word exclusive carries a weight that I think was done a disservice by the headlines that it was being used in. And just change our tune a little bit, adjust and help educate people as they need it, uh, and, and don't dive in on those comments. Don't engage, I suppose, is the right way to put it. Another story that I want to celebrate is indeed Sea of Thieves as they announced they have crossed 10 million players. Now I'm looking over at the article here and I'm also encouraged because since the anniversary update launched last year, I have really enjoyed Sea of Thieves. I was not in on that game at launch. I saw what it was. It wasn't really for me. The gameplay loop is what it is. And I, I think I said in last week's episode, I would have jumped ship on Sea of Thieves. I would have exited that and said, nah, not for me. The sales were not worth it. Uh, man, my pun game is on point. Real talk, that team stuck with it. Microsoft allowed them to stick with it. Whatever whatever you can say, you can, you can certainly acknowledge the progress that that team made in bringing content to it. And my goodness, there's a 15-hour campaign in there. There's lots of replayability, lots of factions. There's an arena. Sea of Thieves crossing 10 million to me is a reward to the developers and the players that invested time when things might have looked bleak. And I'm so happy to see it because there is a great game there. It's not the game I think we thought it was, but man, since that anniversary update, I continue to dive back in at various points. I would say 
a couple times a month, I'll just, you know what? I feel like sailing. I feel like doing a mission and just jumping into that gameplay loop. And I just have such a good time with it. I'm very glad to see it exists. I think it was a surprise when Rare announced it long ago when it came to fruition. And then where it is now is just an incredible journey that's worth following. But again, congratulations to 10 million players. Uh, I know they're doing a celebratory event between... January 15th and 22nd, dive in if you want specific and special custom cosmetics uh, there. That's exciting. I'm just glad to see it there. I will shift the tone just a bit away from positivity to a bit more of a neutral tone in that I know Sony fans were disappointed and gaming fans might have been disappointed with the CES reveal of the PS5 logo. Now, if you're unfamiliar, at the most recent CES conference, there was a lot of hubbubaloo wondering if indeed Sony would announce the PS5. They looked at what Microsoft had done with the Game Awards, and we saw that 42 million had eyes on when the Xbox Series X was announced. Were they going to announce something at CES, as a separate conference that wasn't Sony-specific, as, as kind of the Game Awards were not Microsoft-specific? And so we looked for some emulation there, and we were encouraged when we saw that Jim Ryan was going to be there. The head of PlayStation was going to be there on stage at one point. Corey Balog was in attendance, and of course, he's the God of War studio head, and that have been so exciting and such a, a proponent of good games. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, Fans of gaming were excited to see, oh, is this the PlayStation 5 stuff? Are we going to see what comes to the table? Is this going to be a response to Microsoft? Because as Microsoft has been very bold in this next gen, it certainly is going to manipulate and maneuver how Sony adjusts their approach. Uh, more on that in just a second. But turns out there was no real news. Jim Ryan did go on stage, showed the PS5 logo, which was pretty lackluster and unimpressive. Not that it needed to be. I would, I would say that PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, 3, 4, 5, those are a powerful brand name, and there's no reason to really mess with success in that. But all they showed was the logo, and it really felt like a letdown in the wake of the fact that Jim Ryan was there and we thought it would be something special, and Corey Barlog was there. And while CES is meant to be towards uh, investors for consumer electronics, it just felt a bit strange that it, that there, it was a non-issue. Well, it's even more interesting, I might add, kind of like how with uh, Series X not having exclusive games at launch, we kind of knew that from Ford compatibility. We kind of knew what the PS5 logo looked like due to Godfall. If memory serves, I think we'd already seen that PS5 logo. Maybe I might need to go back and check myself on that, but it, it felt like non-news almost. Say, say what you will, I know a lot of fans were perhaps disappointed for just what CES brought to them. The question now becomes, where do we see Sony bring about more news of their PS5? We saw the Wired articles. We saw how Microsoft approached this generation in, with the Game Awards, but also with uh, their XO events. We're curious at when we're going to see uh, more details about each company's controllers. When does Sony talk about their new services? What sets PS5 apart? Is it just a load time thing, a ray tracing thing, a graphical thing? Where does Microsoft come in and say, all right, we've got our share button. These are the actual ports on the back of the Series X because that was its own hub of blue. People were wondering uh, due to a fake render what the back of the Series X looks like. And this is all right. So this is a funny story. Around the same time that CS was going on, AMD put out a GIF of the Series X, and they had purchased an asset that was was manipulated and created by just a, a user out there um, that showed the backup ports of the Series X, but they weren't based in research. They weren't factual. And But AMD is this huge partner and creator of, of parts for uh, both PlayStation and Xbox. And so everybody took it to be fact that AMD would show this. And indeed, I would too. And I can't imagine Microsoft was happy about it. Uh, it turns out that was just a, a 
random render from it from someone who, who created it not accurate information i think there was a lot of hubbubaloo because people were examining uh, which ports it had how many usbs were there how many hdmi in hdmi out etc uh news and rumors kind of came about with is it usb c is it usb uh super a super ports where they're they're much faster here's the thing i in the end do not care what ports it has so long as the stuff that i need to play and play well work to put it put it very simply will my external hard drive on the x currently that i have now be necessary on the series x i i don't know my my gut instinct says yes but if there is a way around some of those things fine and dandy that's fine i don't need x amount of ports if i have the capabilities that i have on my x now so th i think that's really what it comes down to and rather than panic and hit the you know worry signs about well what type of port is it does this plug in is that plug in i'm going to back off of that 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 mindset because indeed they've talked about how devices on the xbox one it one will work on the series x they want that compatibility backwards and forwards and so i'm not going to worry just yet particularly when there's no real information uh, as it stands but interesting to see amd kind of you know fumble the ball on that one it's, it's very odd why would a, a company as powerful as amd need to purchase a cheap render that somebody else had made why show it at all why make that mistake when you're making parts um i, I don't know it just seems like an odd odd thing but you know so it goes so it goes there <sighs> it brings me great pain and great sadness and great excitement yet again we have another tease for a batman game now guys i've gone on record i love games of all types i, I think there are some so many great gaming franchises out there but i have a special affinity for the batman titles in the last generation and the generation prior Goodness gracious, do I love the Arkham games. They are among my favorite games of all time. Arkham Knight is perhaps my favorite game of all time. I'm not saying it's the best. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying it's a special place in my heart. I love the rogues gallery that Batman has. But WB Montreal is out there yet again teasing a Court of Owls Batman game. They did this a year ago. They did this a couple of months ago. And then they go silent. What's the deal? Like, we know a Court of Owls game is coming. Why in the world are we continuously getting these half teases fake outs it strikes me as saying okay we were about to prep and, and release something and then something went awry and we had to back off about to talk about something something went awry backed off fine whatever it is whether you're incorporating a nemesis system into a new world where they're trying to adapt a storyline i'm sure it's far along in development my gut instinct tells me this is one of those cross-gen titles because you don't want to give up 106 million ps4s 50 million xbox ones you don't want to give up that level of audience you also want to give people a reason to buy into your brand for even longer and what uh, take advantage of the power you're going to get from the Xbox Series X, from the PS5. You want to take advantage of that. And what better better place to do that than in a Batman world in a name brand that is that powerful? We, of course, know WB has a Harry Potter franchise and those franchise rights. They've got something that's been rumored there. Is Batman going to be a cross-gen title? Is it a, a this-generation title, a next-gen? Does, does Harry Potter indeed make an appearance? Is Rocksteady factoring into this superhero world of DC games? Whatever it is, what I truly want is for the teases to stop on a franchise that we know exists. That's what I'd like to stop happening. In very serious, objective tones, I want to make clear it, it seems odd to continue to tease something we know is already there. It, it feels like uh, a needless endeavor and dragging along an audience rather than building hype. I am no longer hyped for the Batman game that I'm so desperate for. I'm just 
tired of being faked out. And there's a there's a two different things, and I think it's important that PR big companies navigate that with their users. Maybe I'm an isolated you know incident. Maybe I'm the outlier in this particular argument, and everyone else is excited or hyped up. But to me, it's almost like dragging something out versus building excitement. Who knows? Let me know what you think As on all those topics. I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Somebody speculated that it might be an exclusive thing. I don't think that's the case at all. I would not want Batman exclusive, by the way. I was very disappointed and sad when I saw a character as beloved as Spider-Man was exclusive to a particular console. Uh, I think when it comes to heroes and franchises that are that big, I want them everywhere. I really think that that's a, an important thing to have heroes in as many spaces as possible, particularly in this day and age where we need more more light. Not that Batman's a light hero, I get that, but you need heroic stories being told in as many places as possible. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. I don't know. Who knows? All right, let's transition just a bit. Garrett Bland wrote in at my Twitter handle, at InsipidGhost, and he asked an incredibly insightful question that made me think on a couple different levels as I realized I don't have a good answer for him. Garrett says, what Japanese game studio can Microsoft acquire to have a bigger presence in Japan? I think Any Creates would be a great fit. Garrett, of course, talking about Any Creates, they are the ones that have made uh, Azure Striker, Gun Gal Gun, Master Blaster Zero, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. They have made Mega Man games. Okay, cool. So these are like ex-Capcom guys that have wor worked in, into a studio. I am familiar with some of Any Creates work. But the question is bigger than just that. First of all, to, to answer the initial one, what Japanese game studios could they check out? Uh, I don't have a good answer for you right away. There is no doubt that Microsoft has plenty of money to acquire even the biggest names. I think they have something like a 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 $1 trillion dollar market cap there. They can, they can go out and they could snag just about any studio they wanted, barring a few legalities there. But they've got plenty of money to go do that. You hear the conversation about, you know, should they acquire Capcom? Should they acquire from software, Sega, whatnot? I am not wholly versed in Japanese-specific studios. It's just not my personal interest level for the majority of my games. And I've enjoyed plenty of uh, any creates games, uh, for sure. Master Blaster Zero, one of my favorite Switch titles, particularly early on in its life cycle. As far as making a dent in the Japanese market, I think the traditional approach is no longer viable. There is no reason to continue pushing for that market in the in the old style. Remember that they created Banjo Dragon Orta at one point. They had Mecha Salt. They had, I think, Jade Empire. Uh, plenty of other, like, they had the Blue Dragon, and they had a whole initiative. Oh, it wasn't Neverwinter Nights. 99 Nights, maybe? They had uh, plenty of games that they were trying to enter into that market, and it just didn't work. The name Xbox, the brand that American Running didn't quite work, now, in just buying a studio and making games. That, that didn't work to the Japanese market. Instead, we're seeing a different strategy take place from Microsoft in this particular generation and, and more recently. The idea that we know Phil Spencer has been out there trying to bring people into Game Pass. We see that with the Yakuza games on their way. The Final Fantasy games now making their way into Game Pass in 2020 as well. I'm excited for the Yakuza games, I might add. Kingdom Hearts collections are now coming over into the Xbox world. That's one method of bringing in an audience and providing more options to those uh, who want a more diverse array in the Xbox world. Consider also what we saw at EXO with the kart racer that is coming in. That's a very popular Korean game to get into that Asian market. Similarly announced as Crossfire X. Those are big in Korea, and they could make their way into the Asian market and eventually Japan. I think that's the new strategy 
for this generation because as we talked about earlier in the episode, it's no longer hardware gated. I don't think buying a studio means you're going to lead to sales in a certain region any longer. That might have been true at one point, might have been possible at one point, but I don't think that's the, the game any longer. Rather, it's more about providing options and then making your way uh, by niche audiences at first uh, and then bringing it forward. Sony just has a powerful presence amongst Japanese gamers, amongst Japanese audiences. Part of that due to the PSP and the PS Vita providing such niche gamers traveling options to play so many different games that are acutely related to those markets. But I think going forward in the next five to ten years, that'll change a bit more. Uh, Xbox will be the platform. It won't be the hardware. It'll be you know where you go to check out your Game Pass titles, check out uh, on any screen or device you have that, that area and that option to, to dive into that world. And so if you don't need hardware that says Xbox on it, but you log into your Xbox account, if you're in Korea, in Japan, and you've got access to a number of games in the Japanese market, Yakuza is what's on my mind at the moment. Sure, that's great. But I think that's their new strategy going forward as far as entering into that world. I, I could be very wrong. There certainly could be things kind of hidden away. I personally would love to see another uh, attempt at creating games specifically from the region. I would love to see another attempt at the Blue Dragon strategy. Uh, but I don't want that to be the only strategy. Just take that for what you will. There's plenty plenty to examine in, in region-specific worlds, but the nice thing is all the options that xCloud brings us, all the options that this new approach to, to transitional hardware brings us, forward compatibility, back compatibility, it's all about libraries. I say again, Game Pass is the platform, guys. It's no longer Xbox is your hardware and that's it. It's, it's Xbox the brand, Game Pass the brand, to get you into a world and an ecosystem. And that's, I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting personally. Guys, that's going to be it for me. If you have topics or questions, concerns, please let me know on Twitter at InsipidGhost. I will be returning to the streaming verse next week, Mixer.com slash InsipidGhost. Love to have you over there as I am back to full health. Uh, it is so exciting. That's it for me, guys. Take care. Have an incredible week, and I'll see you next time.